Sell me your car today. This is Clay Edwards, and I want to buy your car, truck, or SUV today. Are you tired of dealing with all the marketplace maniacs and the Craigslist crazies? I hear nightmare stories every day about counterfeit checks for vehicles here in central Mississippi. Did you know if you get ripped off with a counterfeit check, your insurance company will not cover you? Let me make you a fair market value offer for your vehicle today. Contact me today at claybuyscars.com. That's claybuyscars.com. Or live. This is the Free Range Human Show of Choice, your daily dose of reality radio. It starts right now. This is the Clay Edwards Show. I am, of course, Clay Edwards. We're on 103.9 FM, WYAB, streaming worldwide at WYAB.com. Just hit the Listen Live button there at the top of the tab. And once you get there, if you're on your mobile device, hit Save to Favorites, and boom, it'll be on your home screen. Or save the home screen, whichever, whatever it is. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. And boom, it's just like having a WYAB app or a Clay Edwards Show app. Or listen to our other great hosts, Jameson Haygood, Kim Wade, Allison Noe, Mike Madison, Jim Thorne, on and on. Anyway, it's Friday. It's a free-for-all Friday. we got a lot to talk about today. It is also Friday the 13th. Cue up the spooky music that I do not have ready to play. And... It is a day of jihadi terror. High alert day. High terror alert. If we still did the little terror color codes on Fox News, what would we be at? A, a red or a yellow, maybe? What's the I, high, Sean? I, I can't remember. That's, when did they get rid of those? It was early, like, teens. What do you, what do you call it? Once, once people quit caring, they went away. Yeah. All right, in the studio with me. It is, uh, it's always fun to have to be the least educated yet loudest person in the room. Well, I don't know. Sean may be the loudest, but we got, <laughs> we got you know, mine and your favorite blue-haired barista from Bellhaven's very own, Sean Yurt-Karan. Good morning, Sean. Good morning. Good morning. We have the president and CEO, proprietor of the Magnolia Tribune, Mr. Russ Latino, back with us. Good morning, Russ. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? Man, I'm doing great. Man, I want to tell you, the last time the three of us got together ended up being one of the most downloaded shows on the podcast that we've ever done, and the reviews... From folks, not to pat not to pat myself on the back or us on the backs, but I just want to say the reviews were phenomenal. I've never gotten so many texts from people that said that was the best show y'all have ever done, or best show you've ever done. So I uh, appreciate you coming back. Well, I'm glad to be here. Class in uh, the join up a little bit. Well, I don't know about that. You keep referring to Sean as having blue hair, and I'm looking at it, and I just I don't see any of it. Uh, Corey asked my buddy Corey asked me. Sean is, Sean is becoming the the Combs, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's he's not. That's not fair, is it? That's no, that's, that's pretty rough. <laughs> that's pretty rough. <laughs> no, Combs really did get beat down, man. I th- you know, he died a few years ago. I didn't know that. Yeah, he yeah. just he did. He Some did cancer yeah. or something, wasn't it? Yeah, it's no, but but cancer. never has there been. You're you're not this, but never mm-hmm. has there been in the history of radio or television. A guy more put there mm-hmm. to just get the tar beat out. Yeah. of <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, even <laughs> in that movie about Roger Ailes. Yeah. Uh, when they were kind of showing how they pieced that, I saw it was that, either the yeah. movie or the series. There was two I things that both came of out them. Yeah. at the same time. They were both yeah. great, by the way. And um, they, they they kind of showed he was he was portrayed as very weak in in that. Yeah, but, yeah, that was a uh, what's called that was in the Hannity that, heydays. You know, when he mm-hmm. was man. I watched Hannity last night for a few minutes because I'm just seeing trying to see the footage, and I guess they put out a warning for everybody to get out of the that area mm-hmm. with, over the next 24 yeah. hours because they're about to go in there on on foot. So um, I was just watching him. Man, he's gotten old. Yeah, he really has, hasn't he? 
It I mean, happened, I, he's been doing it for a very, very long time. At least yeah, 25 yeah, years now. Yeah. About that. Yeah, I, mean, now. I mean, it does still look solid. He trains jujitsu and all that. I'm not a big Hannity guy. It's just. Mm, Do y'all remember that kind of era of Fox News? I remember, you know, obviously uh, that it came on. It, it did. It was, you know, it was conservative bent. But it seems like that, just like all network, I mean, all cable stations kind of shifted more to their positions left and right. But um, I was some good shows on in the early 2000s. I used to, I used to watch the O'Reilly Factor all the time. Well, I thought it was Greta really good. Greta Van Susteren. I mean, others. You know, at that time, about 2000, 2001. Well, I think back then most people thought, okay, this is a news operation that occasionally has conservative commentary. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and you had serious news people on. Brent mm-hmm. Hume is a serious news guy, sure. right? You had... Uh, what's the fellow that that moved on to uh, CNBC from Mississippi? My mind's gone blank. Uh, uh, Oberman was on there for the, a while. The, 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 the gay guy. Uh, I know that that's relevant to this, but uh, uh, he's a big old Miss fan. Yeah, oh, the old Miss guy. Miss anyway. Oh, Shepard Smith. Shepard yeah, Smith. Shepard Smith. Yeah, Shepard Smith. Yeah. Yeah, Shepherd Smith you know, was, he was on in those years. Yeah. yeah. Before the end, of, you know, and Trump just blew that whole thing up. The, mm-hmm. the Trump era and, and whatnot, and you saw a lot of. A lot of uh, deck chairs on the Titanic get moved around a bit. Yeah, but I, I was always a Shep guy, especially for like breaking news he during the midday. He was, those he was early years, he was really good. Actually, no, he's, he was a, very he's good. a serious yeah. news guy, and mm-hmm. so I mean, I, th- I think you're right that there was an era in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Where that thing had a different feel to it, mm-hmm. but our country was also in like a really different place. If you think about that that time period, yeah. right, where we're coming out of nine eleven, mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of unity in the country. I, I don't mm-hmm. even remember, but like President Bush. At the time, had like a ninety-one percent approval Something rating like coming yeah. out of nine eleven, mm-hmm. uh, or you know. So I mean, the country was unified. There was a different feel of patriotism, and so I think then sort of the Fox brand matched the sentiment of the country. Well, yeah. they always had hot blondes with blue dresses. Yeah, they, well, Ailes did that too. I mean, yep. the um, what's call it? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, like especially like you know, y'all like that was right after the two thousand election when things got started getting divided because of that election and then 9-11 happened what nine months later so it kind of you know kind of was the right you know i'm not saying 9-11 was the right time but it just no, it, it created yeah it, there was like more union based on something that could have if that hadn't happened i don't know what we might have got to this point sooner yeah. than we did i had never know? watched a 24-hour news in my life other than uh, when the little girl fell in the well you know, back in the oh Jessica 80s, was that baby yeah, Jessica, Jessica yeah. baby Jessica, Jessica or whatever yeah, that was like baby Jessica. that was when I discovered twenty four hour news like I think most mm-hmm. Americans and then I don't think I watched it again till nine eleven and then I figured out real quick what my politics were. My it, first experience is was do you remember y'all remember Bernard Shaw and uh, Wolf Blitzer hiding under the bed in Baghdad Hotel the start of uh, Desert Storm yeah. yeah that's what I remember watching news yeah. the first time I mean that was ninety one obviously and uh, that's when I remember them under the bed and they were on CNN and they were reporting from like under the bed in the hotel you know that's now what. you now you look back and there's so much like wartime propaganda and stuff and. Uh, you, you, you've seen these news channels set up scenes to look worse than they are. Mm-hmm. You know, like looking back with the ability of hindsight, I wonder how much of that was really that bad. Did they really need to be under the bed? How far away? I mean, <laughs> That's a good point. If there's bombs right. going off within 100 miles, I mean, I'm probably going to be under a bed in, mm-hmm. in, in, in all fairness. But like I've seen CNN back during one of the recent hurricanes, and they found like the deepest water hole they could stand in. I to would, make it look, and then the people were walking right behind yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. This was from, the example that I was about to use. Yeah, yeah, it's literally a photo of a guy in like three feet of water, mm-hmm. and then when you zoomed out, <laughs> everything around it was dry. Right? Yeah. It's like, okay, well, this is deceptive. It, it so is, and, and look, and God bless all those. I forgot time. about that clay, that freaking uh, guy in the water puddle. Yeah. That is, yeah, that was so ridiculous. And she's like, man, and and so Russ, this will lead us into something I wasn't planning on talking about quite as early, but and I, I know you've been on this on your on your uh, 
your X account, Twitter, whatever. At some point, we're, we're going to pick a name for this thing, X or Twitter. Yeah. But I'm still saying X, X just and Twitter. feels weird, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it does. It I does. keep calling it Twitter. I'm not going to stop. I, I like the I, mean. I like the logo, the X logo. I think it's nice and clean and sleek mm-hmm. and all that. Eventually, yeah. when all that app unfolds into what he has plans for it to be, uh, like this one for all app kind of thing, I think it'll be cool. But I, I had a long, in-depth conversation with myself or listeners yesterday. I was in here solo talking about the 40 beheaded children. And is this propaganda? Is it semantics? Is it this? Is it that? I saw where you had shared something where it looks like it had been confirmed that there were some photos. And I also saw, was listening to Tim Pool's show last night, and they said they ran that photo through the AI confirmer, and it, it confirms that it's AI-generated, but that's not 100%. And then does it matter? You know, and I, I say all that to say this. Back to the, back to the, the CNN people in the water puddle. Well, brain fart here. CNN people, water puddle. Oh, it's the media's fault. It's what they've done for the last few years. It's their fault why people question this stuff. It's like, it's like I should just be able to say, I should just be able to believe that you said there's 40 dead babies beheaded, whether they were shot, killed. I mean, the beheaded thing just sounds very, I think, I, I think I'd rather be shot than beheaded if I have to die. So I think when you say beheaded, that adds a level of, of shock to it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, you know, there is an element of these sorts of wars or conflicts. I think people get desensitized. Like, how can we, how can we, how do we communicate to the desensitized? Right. Where, where you're trying, you're trying to resonate with people just how severe the problem is. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think the end result of that is like frequently there are claims that maybe are exaggerated. But here's my thing. Let's say it was five babies that were beheaded. Mm-hmm. That's still five too many. Agreed. And, and, you know, in the in the great scheme of things, there's there's no dispute about what happened last Saturday. You know, last Saturday, more than a thousand armed gunmen made their way into Israel um, by paraglider, by motorcycle, by bulldozer, by boat, and once they were there, they indiscriminately kidnapped, killed, and raped innocent civilians. Thirteen hundred people dead, over three thousand. Uh, injured over a hundred that were kidnapped, and so you could sit here and quibble over were there forty beheaded babies, right? Mm-hmm. Which is obviously shocking, and you know it's the kind of thing that tugs at heartstrings, uh, drives emotion. But what you, what you can't argue with are the base facts of what happened last Saturday, right? And so I think I think in some ways these little proof points become distractions. From what we know occurred. No, I, I agree. And I, and I broke it down pretty good yesterday from both points of view, from two different sets of media that were on the ground. One says that the soldiers weren't confirming it. One was the lady who broke that story and just said, hey, look, I'm not saying it did or didn't happen. I'm just saying it's a damn shame. It's a damn shame. Like Oliver Anthony. It's a damn shame that because of our distrust in the media, and I think we talked about this some last time you were on here, our distrust in the media even makes us question these things. Well, I, I think there used to be this perception that media was trying to be objective. And I don't know how true that was, but we have sort of this nostalgic idea of Walter Cronkite and those guys. Well, like we talked about earlier on the Fox News thing, even though they tilted right, it didn't feel like it was as blatant 
you know, post, you know, for the first few months after 9-11, and then it clearly became very left and right with the media, yeah. especially especially when Trump came on the scene. But, but, but now, increasingly, what you see happening with media is that they pick sides, right? And so you see this unfolding in the conversations on, on Twitter X right yeah. now, where it's like half of the media is pro-Israel, right? And then half of the media looks very much so pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas, whatever, however you want to frame that. Um, and then the way that they're covering the story, right? It's it's almost like um, each side is ignoring the misdeeds of the other side, right? Or ignoring their own misdeeds to point the finger at the other side. And, uh, you know, it's it's disheartening, though, because at the end of the day, there there isn't moral equivalence here, right? You can look at Israel's politics and say, well, maybe they've been a little harsh towards the people of Gaza. I would argue that some of that harshness is predicated on or a result of the fact that Hamas has been trying to kill you know, Israelis for a very long time. Yeah. But there's no moral equivalence to what happened on Saturday and then the argument that, hey, Israel's not been nice to the people in Gaza. Um, those two things are, are not equivalent to one another. And I think people now are even trying to say, well, you know, you look at what's going on in Gaza – and Israel is essentially committing some form of genocide. And it's like, well, no, they're they're responding to an attack. Mm-hmm. And candidly being uh, much more generous, for lack of a better way to put it, than most nations would be in this circumstance, because they're literally telling people, hey, we're going to target this area. I mean, they just this morning I was watching, I just pulled up the New York Times, too, like they, the Israel told over a million people in Gaza City to leave. Like it's it's time. They're warning. Them. Yeah, they were saying like this. Yeah. Is what, yeah, Hamas this is didn't warn Israel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they're they're hitting them now, and um, or they're at least they're telling them now to leave. I mean, at least there's that. Well, and you know, part of the problem is that Hamas is literally telling people not to evacuate. They they mm-hmm. want human shields. Mm-hmm. Uh, what South Park had that episode Operation Human Shield. Yeah, right. <laughs> Send them all up front there. All right, let, let's take a break real quick. When we come back, callers stay on hold. We will take a few calls today. Uh, one of our phone lines is down, so it'll just be line two. That's irrelevant to y'all. But if you can't get through, try again. But anyway, we're going to take a break real quick. we got Russ Latino, Magnolia Tribune in the studio with Sean, Yurt Karan, and myself, Clay Edwards, on 103.9 FM, WYAB. on 103.9 FM WYAB. This segment is going to be brought to you by our good friends over at Stonington Farms. Guys, they're going to be up here next Friday making their deliveries. They'll be in Florence, Brandon, and Ridgeland. Get the grass-fed difference beef. I'm telling you, 100% grass-fed, 100% grass-finished, no antibiotics, no steroids, no mRNA in their beef. I'm telling you, what's the old hair club for men things? Not only am I the president, I'm also a client. Not only am I their promoter, I'm also a die-in-the-wool client and user of Stonington Farm Beef. Give it a try. You can get buy anything from a single pack of hamburger meat to a single steak. You do not have to make some huge, large commitment to try the grass-fed difference. But you can also inquire about their mini and whole cow packages but they need a little leeway because, again, it's a small mom-and-pop operation right here and right down there in South Mississippi. Mississippi. <laughs> I may start a new colony. This is Mississippi. 
<laughs> right down in South Mississippi, in Perkinston, Mississippi. So uh, anyway, be mindful of that. Check out StoningtonFarm.com. That's Stonington with two N's, Farm.com. You'll go to View Our Cuts. You'll select what you want. they got the prices. They've actually got a sale right now on on uh, Chuck uh, Chuck Eye, not Chuck Eye, um, Chuck, Chuck Roast. I think it's seven ninety nine a pound, but you can confirm that they're on their website. And you'll see Miss Katie Stonington's phone number. You'll call. You'll speak with the owner. You'll place your order. It's very personal, very uh, very detailed. She'll answer any questions you have. Great customer service. And then she'll text you over a picture of your invoice so you'll know exactly how much you owe. And they take credit cards, debit cards, and cash. When you come, they make it easy to take your money. So, anyway, Stonington Farms, the grass-fed difference. All right, here in the ClayEdwardsShow.com studios, we've got Russ Latino with Magnolia Tribune. And, of course, Sean Yurkaran, my in-house legal expert. Uh, guys, let's stay on this Israel stuff for a minute. Russ, you were on this, man. And I just want to tell you thank you for the coverage you did on this. You know, for a long time, or since I started doing this and before I started doing this, and especially post January 6th, everything on the right's been wrong side of history. It's been we're racist, we're bigots, uh, we're anti Semitic, just, uh, just whatever the worst things they can find. Like, what does something bad people do? That's the right. I think the, the curtain got pulled back this week on the left and people on the left and good people on the left having to realize, hold on, have I, am I on the wrong side of history with the way a lot of these college students have acted and the way a lot of uh, BLM has come out in support of not just Palestine but Hamas? And I think people are seeing now, oh, crap. I mean, I'm seeing dyed-in-the-wool liberals even – post uh, it looks like the right was right about blm uh, am i on the wrong side of history yeah well you of course you are yeah i mean i you know i think some of the problem and this is bigger than just the israel thing is like we've become so tribal right that we we naturally go well what does my side believe about this and then you go as far into that camp as you possibly can mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I think some of that's been exposed in the context of this Israeli. And I, th- and I think some of it is, to your point, not just what does what does my side think, what does the other side not like? I'm going the other way. Yeah, I got to go the other way. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, that's a really that's a really simple and I would argue foolish way of addressing complex issues, right? And so, it, it is bizarre to me to see people fall over themselves to essentially say, I'm actually on Hamas's side on this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, here is a terrorist organization that's been launching rockets into Israel for close to 20 years, really ever since they took control of Gaza in 2006. Mm-hmm. They've been committing terrorism, suicide bombs, all sorts of incursions um, during that time period. And for all the conversation around genocide, Hamas's charter says that there is no alternative but for them to essentially wipe Israel off the face of the map. Their missional goal is the elimination of Israel, right? And so it's 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 very odd to see people frame this as, well, if you just had context to how poorly they'd been treated, to me that is a naive way of looking at this. Because what it says is, well, what Hamas is doing is a reaction to Israel, and if Israel would just make concessions, Hamas would get along with them. Mm-hmm. That is not what Hamas says. 
right? Right. Hamas says it doesn't matter how you treat us. We don't believe you should exist. And right. in that context, you got to kind of understand where Israel's coming from. Yeah, I, th- I think we were discussing this on Clay and I were on Wednesday, and a caller called in, and, and I was trying to point out that this isn't – the Palestinians have been offered a two-state solution on several times throughout the last 75 years. I believe the first time, obviously, was in 48, which resulted in the 48 war. And then I think the next time was at the Oslo Accords in 94. And they've rejected it every time, and the Israelis have been in agreement with doing it. It's the Palestinians have said, we, we, we don't want to do this. And that's basically kind of what Russ is saying is because their belief in the back of their mind is Israel doesn't have a right to be here at all. So we're not agreeing to a two-state solution because all of it's ours. It's not theirs. They're not supposed to be here. That's their viewpoint. So I don't know how you negotiate with them. I mean, I know everybody's arguing about, okay, this open-air prison. And no one's saying the conditions in Gaza are good. They're not. I mean, everybody knows that, what's going on there. But I don't know what else Israel's supposed to do. Because you're at a constant threat with it. It'd be like if we had Al-Qaeda had occupied Texas or something. Yeah. And what are we supposed to do, negotiate with them to like coexist? They I don't clearly, think you can do that. I mean, They clearly have no interest in negotiating a better situation for themselves. It's all or nothing for these people. Exactly. They've already been offered that I so mean, many times throughout history. So I don't know how... They're deplorable do- living conditions mm-hmm. that are a bit of their own creation, to say the least. What do you do? Well, we rebuild your city. We'll do all this. We'll, we'll, we love building countries. We'll go over there. We'll, we'll build you a new country if you'll just behave and do this two-state thing. And they have zero interest in uh, well, that. Well, and, and to Sean's point, the reason, and maybe to your point too, the the reason that Gaza's in the situation that it's in, you know, is in part because they're kind of blocked off. Um, but they made a decision. You know, Israel turns over Gaza in 2005. Um, yeah. Hamas gets elected in 2006. They haven't had a free election in Gaza since 2006. Yeah. It's a political organization. It's a military organization. It's a terrorist organization. You know, they made the decision, we're not going to try and build an economy. We're not going to try and build infrastructure. What we're going to do is we're going to spend all our money developing weaponry. We're going to spend all our money digging tunnels into Israel. They have made the decision, this is not our permanent homeland. We're not going to try and make it better. Instead, we're going to put all of our resources and all of our energy into this mission of eliminating Israel. So some of the deplorable conditions that people keep talking about, yes, some of it is Israel responding to repeated incursions into their country. A lot of it is Hamas's own making. Russ, we have a saying on this show, um, F around, find out. And at the end of the day, that is what that is what. Um, Hamas or in Palestine in general have done. They have they have effed around with Israel, and they have found out what happens when you constantly make somebody live in in fear of their lives. Well, and, you especially know, if somebody has more power than you, more money. Well, look, I, I'd say this: my heart goes out to people who live in Gaza that have no power to do anything about Hamas, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. Hamas, like a lot of those uh, organizations in the Middle East has sort of terrorist control over their own people as well. Yeah. So my heart goes out to the people who are living in Gaza who aren't necessarily supportive of sure. what's going on with Hamas. Sean and I said the same, same you thing know, last time we got a chance to talk about this. Yeah. It's, you know, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater because there's good people everywhere that don't sign up for this stuff. We've seen it right here. I can look at it right here in Jackson, Mississippi, mm-hmm. on a different level, obviously. But there's a lot of people who ain't about what's going on in Jackson with the crime. A lot of good folks who stay too long Whatever the case may be, my parents in South Jackson, for example, they ain't co-signing on all this Chalkway nonsense. Again, just on a local level, not terrorists per se, but I, I get it. There's good people everywhere. But you, by the same token, 
you don't get to fire thousands of rockets into a country. You don't get to go into a country and murder, rape, pillage, you know, kidnap people, and then clutch your pearls. Ceasefire. We clutch your pearls when the country that you did that to says, you know what, we're going to make sure that this never happens again. You got all these folks calling for proportionality. Israel's not concerned about proportionality. What they're concerned about is making sure that the next time somebody with Hamas thinks, how about we go into Israel and kill a bunch of innocent people, they remember what happened in 2023. Let's take take a call real quick. Hey, caller, thanks for staying on hold. You're on there. So the Gaza Strip is the third most populated area in the world. It's got over 2 million people in it. And it's what twice the size of uh, it's like twice the size of Washington D.C. Right, densely populated, right, the right, third right. most densely populated. So basically, yeah, what y'all are saying is, all right, a black guy robbed a Seven Eleven and killed a store owner and, and three people that lived there. Let's wipe out every person in Jackson. Okay, I understand what they did was wrong. It was it was very wrong, but they blocked the exit. They they gave them like I think like four or five days ago. They said, hey, everybody is a Gaza Strip. You've got to leave. And then they bomb the exit so these people can't leave. So now you've got women and children that are trying to flee that can't leave. It's like a bowl. They can't get out. So now you just want to genocide the whole population. Well, they are they are going through and telling these people to leave now. And and, 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 and I can blocked off. And I can appreciate your analogy, but it's not like one one guy going into a Seven Eleven. It's like the administration. If the Chaco Antar Lumumba administration and his police force and anybody else were doing this, this you're talking about like a lone ranger. That's not that's not a good comparison here. It would be well, if the administration I, 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 was doing it. Yeah, is, it was what was it? What was it? Three hundred and fifty people that that parachuted in out of two million. It's, I mean, I, I can't justify them killing our kids with us killing their kids whenever we're killing our own kids at home. Fog of war. So, so I would say this is I actually think I don't I don't appreciate the analogy because I think it's a really bad analogy. Um, what happened in Israel? If you look at the number of deaths relative to Israel's population, which is only about nine million, it was considerably worse as a percentage of their population than nine eleven was in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. And so, to look at it and compare it to some one-off instance of violence committed by some individual ignores the gravity of what occurred on Saturday and ignores how it was organized and who committed the act. This was Gaza's hang on. This was Gaza's political controlling entity that decided to send over a thousand soldiers into Israel and kill and rape innocent people. Okay, and well, so there's going to be a military response to that, my man. Well, I'm not ignoring anything. I, I condemn the whole thing. It's horrible. What I'm saying, though, is if this was their 9-11, which is what you just brought up, knowing what we know about 9-11 now, uh, is how did they get past the Iron Dome? How did they – How did how, you're telling me they've got an Iron Dome that can shoot down missiles at Mach 5, but they couldn't pick up some guys and some parachutes? I mean, look, that, there, there's definitely there's definitely some some questions there that how does one of the best um, uh, security forces in the world, uh, inform, uh, intelligence agencies in the world, how how did they miss all this? But you know, it happens. We had we had two built we had two jumbo jets flying to the twin towers, and we have that we have that technology. So I, I read about how they did it. It was actually pretty interesting hey, look, how the uh, had, Moss did it. You said it. They had two two planes flying to the twin towers and took down three buildings. 
and then we went to war for 20 years. Now, yeah. you watch what Israel's going to do. They had these people come in on paragliders, and now they're going to be at war, and it's going to be World War Three for the next 20 years. So uh, we got to take our break, so I want a quick answer here. What what would you say Israel's supposed to do? Just sit around and take it? No. You, you go in and you find Hamas. You don't carpet bomb two million people, men, women, and children. I, kill all of men. I don't care. Genocide all of men. I don't care. But the women and children, come on, man. Even the U.N. came out and said you can't do this. They have cut off their gas, their water, and their power, and so they're just sitting there starving to death. You don't treat your dog like that. I, brother. I can condemn both acts at the same time. Sure. They're absolutely. both wrong. I got you. All right, man. Thank you. All right, let's take a break real quick. We'll be right back with Russ Latino and Sean Yuckeron on The Clay Edwards Show. Are you thinking about going out this weekend? Are you thinking about messing around and finding out? Well, you, when you do mess around and find out, you may end up in jail whether it be Hines County, Rankin County, Madison County, or any of the little towns in between. And if you do, hey, look, I have a long and glorious history of messing around and finding out. And I wish I'd had a bail bondsman like Liberty Bell Bonds. If you end up in jail this weekend, get out of jail by calling 601-825-1077. That's Liberty Bell Bonds serving Jackson and all surrounding areas. So if you mess around and you find out, Call Liberty Bell Bonds, and they'll bond you out. 601-825-1077. All right, welcome back in to the Clay Edwards Show. This segment is going to be brought to you by our friends over at Men's Health of Mississippi. Guys, a couple of y'all have gone and you've gotten your first round of of testosterone shots. You're calling me, asking me, Clay, are you supposed to feel like this? Are you supposed to feel like this? i got this burst of energy. Yes, sir. You are supposed to feel like that. It's that dang good. Look, guys, lacking morning wood, erectile dysfunction, not sleeping good, anxiety, depression, obesity, all this stuff. Having trouble gaining muscle, been working out for a while. You're over 40. It's like, why am I not seeing results? Your testosterone level is probably low. Not probably. I would just about guarantee you it's low if you haven't already seeked out testosterone replacement therapy. You can do that today. Go get your levels checked. It starts there. Guys, this is affordable, too. No need to worry about using your insurance for this, any of that stuff. You can, I can Trust me. You can pay this out of pocket. I do. Um, get over to Men's Health of Mississippi, menshealthms.com. They're located right there in Madison, Mississippi. I ain't going to bog you down with the, with, that, with the address and a live read here. I'll send you all the information over if you need it, but menshealthms.com. Go get your levels checked. She will thank you later, and you will thank me after she thanks you. Menshealthms.com. Sean, you're about uh, short and sweet here. I mean, you're what, three, four months in now? Uh, yeah, June, right. June. June. How are you yeah. feeling? Drastically different? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My but, biggest thing was energy during the day. I was, yeah. no, I was telling you before, I, I felt like I was getting tired around 3 in the afternoon. I wake up so early, like all of us probably do. And, and, um, but and I never got tired at 3 in the afternoon where I was like, I'm going to go take a nap. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't want to take a nap. I'm not 70. You know, I don't want to take a nap at 3 in the afternoon. So I noticed that's when I kind of went and got my blood work done. Yeah, and that's okay. helped with that. Well, good stuff there. Yeah. Guys, check them out. Menshealthms.com. Get your levels checked today all right let's uh let's take a call real quick hey call you're on there hey uh your last guy over he he uh 
they need to go back from Robin Hood and put down that pipe he's been smoking over there. <laughs> hey, quick, quick question. Uh, y'all probably since the 19, since before the 1940s. All right, hey, st- st- start over. Your phone cut out. Why do you think these guys have been fighting since Israel's became a nation again? Second time. I mean, I, because they, they got the land to, the, the Israel got taken from Palestine, I mean, basically, or they took Palestine's land. I don't know. I'm, well, I mean, it's a long, yeah. I mean, we, this, could, this could take an hours of conversation exactly. But go and ahead, I Russ. I mean, guys, I support Israel, but I understand why some of them got the red butt. I knew a guy there in Jackson that he told me back in the 50s that they showed up and kicked him out of his house in Jerusalem. He still had keys to it. The Israeli government did. So I can kind of understand where they're coming from. Yeah, you know, that area of the, the world was actually under British control uh, at the time that the, the modern-day nation of Israel was, was uh, put into place. Um, but, you know, I mean, the, the flip side of it is Israel's now been a, a recognized state for 75 years, right? And so it's not like they don't have a track record uh, of living there and calling it home. And then you've got thousands of years of ancestral history uh, for the Jewish people in that region of the world. It, it comes down to this. You're right. I mean, they've been fighting since 1947, 48, um, and have staved off multiple attempts to eliminate themselves uh, by by Arab countries. Hey, Sean, I got a question. Aren't you? Don't you have some Middle East background in you? Yeah, yeah. My dad is from Istanbul. Mm-hmm. Okay. And my uh, well, my it's kind of we were talking about my. Uh, Great grandfather is a Turkish Muslim, and my great grandmother is an Ashkenazi Jew who met in Syria. So I've kind of got a dual perspective on this whole issue, I guess you would say. And you're a Christian, yeah? I know my mom's Catholic. It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> hey, I got a, you got a sister? Yep, I do. First name begin with a J. That's Jasmine. That's her. Man, I haven't seen her in years. She lives in Colorado now, man. What's your name? Oh, okay. Adam. Adam, I'll tell her you said hello. All right, brother. I didn't know her well, but we had a few mutual friends. All right, Adam. Have a great weekend, brother. Thanks, Thanks. man. I was going to say, Russ brought up the Arab countries, and that's another part of this I was going to say in the last segment. If you look at the history of it, the Arab countries have united, you know, against Israel, right? There's obviously the 1948 war, they did it, in 67, the Six-Day War, 1973, and so on and so forth. This time, though, you're just really having the Palestinians aligned with the Iranians, who are not Arabs or Persian. We all know that. And um, the Arab countries have kind of backed off of this, except for you want to consider Hezbollah part of Lebanon. and uh, But that's kind of a tricky situation. Anyway, anyway, Egypt has kind of, over the last 30, 40 years, I guess, kind of loosened up on their feelings towards Israel. Saudi, Israel and Saudi Arabia were in the middle of working out a deal where Saudi Arabia was going to recognize them for the first time. So the Arab countries, have, I guess, they, like you like to say, effed around and found out over the last you know, 60, 70 years that this, they were not going to drive Israel into the sea and they've tried to normalize relations. This situation with um, Hamas is, I think, I always feel like it's Iran wanting to stir it up and not allow that to happen. That's in my mind because that's not good for them is the Arab countries being friendly with Israel. I mean, I, that's what I think. I think that's got a lot to do with it. Well, you know, the Wall Street Journal had reported earlier in the week essentially that both Hamas and Hezbollah had said that Iran was involved in the planning of what happened last Saturday and that at a meeting in Beirut the Monday before the attack that Iran literally greenlit the attack. Now, now at this point, 
There's not been a lot of additional confirmation on that. But what the administration's been willing to say is that Iran has has been a longtime supplier of weapons and funding for to, to, ever. to <laughs> Palestine, right? Yeah. I, I want to, if Clay, if you don't mind, revisit no. the call before the break. Sure. Um, because he made some decent points. I mean, and I, and I said this earlier, my heart absolutely goes out to folks that live in Gaza who are innocent people, right? You know, I think that part of this is backing up and saying in war there is collateral damage and you want to mitigate that as much as possible. You want to minimize that as much as possible. You see Israel trying to do that with evacuation notices where candidly Hamas is telling people no stay in place because they know that there's a PR victory to be won by using human shields. Um, But there's going to be collateral damage in war, which is one good reason not to start one. Um but if you back up and think about it, if you're Israel, the long-term goal is to prevent bloodshed by making it so that this does not happen again. And we were talking off air about World War II. You know, a lot of people are critical of the United States for dropping atomic bombs on Japan during World War II. Killed an awful lot of innocent civilians. It's a horrific thing. A lot more people would have died had the United States not dropped those well, can bombs. I, can I make the argument? Uh, about the innocent victims versus military, when you're having to do a draft for your military, th- those are kind of innocent victims too. And I, I, I'm not against it. I'm just making a point here. If a guy's getting up and going through his job nine to five every day and he gets plugged into war, he's just a civilian that got plugged into war. Just like innocent victims, he, this guy minding his own business, he's shoved, he's thrown over to China or wherever. You know, I could kind of make the same argument there. Well, I mean, I think the other thing is, like, how do you divide Hamas from the general population of Gaza? Um, I think for a lot of folks, they have this mentality that, like, sort of a U.S.-based mentality that says, oh, we know where the military installations are. We know that the guys that are in the military wear army fatigues. That's not the way that area of the world works. And so you're talking about urban warfare, really. Yeah. Um, That makes it very hard to divide between, quote-unquote, innocent people and people who are either in Hamas or are really sympathetic to Hamas to the point of aiding them. Which we've been engaged, engaging for the last 20 years in Iraq and Afghanistan, yeah. which is that kind of a war. Look, you know, we, we got about a minute here, but, Sean, we had this conversation at lunch yesterday. Again, I, can, I like to tie things back into a local level to try to make people understand it from something maybe they can see outside of the bigger global picture. Sean, you were talking about when you were at the DA's office and you'd have to go into some of these really, really dangerous apartment yeah. complexes in Jackson mm-hmm. and how they're kind of their own community. They kind of each one have their own, I don't want to call it police force, but the gangs run these things. Sure. And if you pull in, I mean, there, there's people watching you through every window. If you try to talk to somebody, mm-hmm. they're going to hem them up because they think they're talking to the police. And sure. This is just on a local level. But that's that kind of like an urban warfare yeah. type situation. You're, you're the enemy going into a occupied territory yeah because we were talking about that at lunch how like people in you know in, in the suburbs they talk about jackson crime they had got no idea how that those communities live out there yeah. and the way it's subject kind of like what you're saying it's a it's a, they're governing themselves almost to yeah. a certain point and it's I, a it's just not something i think regular people are used to that kind of environment like, like you don't want to like the police they don't want to go have to have a, a gun battle at some of these apartment complexes exactly because man they got people posted up everywhere watching seeing what's going on. They have communication. Mm-hmm. It, it's way more organized than people may think. You know, like we may mm-hmm. think people may think that they're just going to go over there to uh, the, the to Gaza and you're just dealing with a bunch of you know their version of hillbillies. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it ain't that man. It's it's way more. 
put together than people can imagine, and they ain't wearing uniforms. That's a good analogy, too. I mean, because we see that on, I mean, small scale here when I do that. So. Yeah, all right, cool. we got to take our break. We'll be right back to close out the first hour with Russ Latino and Sean Yurkron. All right, welcome back in to the Clay Edwards Show. Guys, we don't have but about a, a minute here, so I'm just going to filibust real quick. The next hour, we may shift away from the Israel versus Hamas stuff unless any um, updated news comes in. I, I, I do want to revisit a little bit of this cancel culture, vultures getting canceled. Uh, some of the college students who all signed this decree or whatever saying they stood with Palestine. And now there's trucks riding around campus with all their names on it. And all these big businesses have come out and said that they're never going to hire these people. It's, it is a bit glorious when the uh, when, when the when it comes back to bite you in the butt. Karma, <laughs> karma, karma, karma. And look, I'm not for ultimate cancellation, but there's some things, some things, some thoughts are really, really bad. This is what I love about Twitter opening up and allowing both sides to talk, the bad ideas get flushed out when they're in public. We'll be right back. Here on 103.9 FM WYAB. This segment is going to be brought to you by our friends over at Reliable Rental Equipment. Guys, my DIY warriors, my contractors out there, if you need to rent some heavy equipment and even not so heavy equipment, maybe you just need to rent a golf cart or a side-by-side. Maybe you need a zero-turn mower. Go um. Mow your lawn, mow your mama's lawn, go mow your mom's lawn. You ain't even got to buy one. You can go rent one from Reliable Rental Equipment. Look, guys, they got you covered from backhoes, skid steers, lifts, tailor lighting solutions for outdoor lighting. Uh, for example, big Willie Nelson concert at the amphitheater tonight. They have all these off-site parking lots that don't have any natural light out there, or fixed lighting, should I say. Uh, they'll have these type lighting equipment out there. You got a football team or a baseball team need to practice on a baseball field somewhere at nighttime. There's no lights, or you got to work somewhere late. You know what I mean. If you need lights when it's dark in the middle of nowhere, they got you covered. These uh, Taylor lighting rigs can go for 28 days on a tank of diesel. Now, granted, you got to cut it off during the daytime, but 28 nights on a tank of diesel. That is phenomenal. So, <clears throat> good long term outdoor lighting solutions. And again, if you need a golf cart or a side-by-side for the weekend, you can go rent or purchase one from these guys. They got it all. Here's what's really neat about these guys over at Reliable Rental Equipment. It's locally owned. They reinvested into Jackson. They went right over there off Meadowbrook Drive and tore down a whole block of old buildings and built a brand-new huge facility right across from the old movie theater, just right outside of Fondren there. And that, You know, that takes some guts. Given all things considered, so all my all my pro Jackson folks that want to they want to support Jackson businesses, get over there and support these guys. They'll deliver your equipment to you, and if you can't operate it, say, "Hey, man, I'm a plumber, but running a backhoe or all this ain't really in my wheelhouse." You can rent the equipment, and, they, and you can use one of their operators on a daily rate, so you don't have to run another contractor or all that stuff. You can do what you do, let them handle the dirt work or whatever. And they'll get it knocked out. They also handle tree services. They can cut them down and haul them off. They do, they do rollback dumpsters and debris cleanup, too. So if, uh, if you need to clean, get a lot cleaned up, they can come drop the dumpster off. If you don't have a crew of volunteers or friends to help, if you can't buy quite enough beer and pizza to get your friends to help you clean up an old lot, these guys have a crew that will do that, too. So check them out online, Reliable 
rentalequipmentms.com, located at 210 Meadowbrook Road in Jackson. Like I say, if you're from Jackson, they're basically it's right on the corner of State Street and Meadowbrook. You can't miss it. Big, new, huge facility there. Got all the equipment out front. They got the scissor lifts, the boon lifts, all that stuff. Go see my buddy Brad Patridge over there. Make sure you let them know that you heard it on the Clay Edwards Show. ReliableRentalEquipmentMS.com. All right, guys. Um, So yesterday, Mr. Edwards went to the Capitol. And... uh you know, some of them surreal moments, like, it's like Mr. Smith goes to Washington. That was where, yeah, yeah, that's where I got it from. And, you Which know, I've never seen that movie, by the way. I have not either, but I've seen clips and oh, stuff. Oh, it's a great movie. Really, I've oh, never yeah. watched it. And as I was like, Mr. Edwards goes to the Capitol, and if, you know, it's one of these surreal moments where I think of, I look at some of my TikToks and some of my videos and stuff, and that's kind of a wrestling character I play on the internet. You know, I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. it's my real thoughts and opinions, but it's juiced up to be entertaining, right? Yeah. And I, I sometimes I'll use us foul language and and whatnot to get the attention of knuckleheads, and uh, so we get down there. Nick Bain asked me if I would come be a part of his last committee as chairman of the Judiciary B Committee, and it's about and there's where the stuff gets serious. It's it's about the need for proper funding of our public defender system, and it was very very I don't I don't know if entertaining is the word, but very educational. But uh, my my point was kind of be the man on the streets, uh, almost like a like a victim impact statement of what crime is, what I've seen, what our audience has seen, and what their gripes are about the criminal justice system and crime in Jackson. <clears throat> and I went scorched earth for about three to five minutes there. I was like, any questions? <laughs> no, <laughs> no questions. Yes, yeah, since everybody's listening, I was there for all of this. It was yeah. it was quite entertaining. It was well, just, Clay uh, Edwards briefs the Judiciary Committee on the crime in Jackson. <laughs> I, uh, I basically compared the Lumumba administration to a terrorist organization. You did say that. Yep, <laughs> you did say that. Which I don't think anybody really disagreed with you, though. No, I, mean, I would well, love, silence I, was. Yeah. I would love to hear their argument for the disagreement. Mm-hmm. That there that Lumumba's a terrorist organization. Not necessarily. I'm being a little facetious. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, you know, I've... You know, just the way that Jackson's has... I think you could certainly say that it's not been competent leadership. And look, I, you know, Ted Hennepin is probably the worst thing that could happen to Jackson's current leadership. Absolutely. Yeah. Be, because what he's exposed is that, like, one guy who kind of is organized and knows what he's doing can mm-hmm. fix problems that, like entire city halls haven't been able to fix in decades yeah i called the jackson waterline don't know if i told you all a couple days ago because i had to set out you know for years i've been writing a ch- it's the only check i write for my bills by the way for years because you send to memphis anybody lives in jackson knows this you send your water bill and i can never get the f- online access to work before ever for you finally i just gave up i said look this is my checkbook i just write my check every month and i send it to memphis anyway finally i was like you know i'm gonna sign up for this jackson water site well my account wasn't set up so I called. It took 90 seconds for them to get on the phone, and they fixed it in under 30 seconds. It was incredible. And I was like, so now I just go to the online, just like all my other bills, and pay it that way. I mean, so just from that aspect of having to, you know, I've owned my home for seven years, and having to write seven years of checks once a month. Like, I just thought that was fantastic how quickly they set it up and how easy that is going to be, where all the years before, you can never get it done. This water crisis has kind of done the same thing that the Israel, the Hamas attack on Israel and and the 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 college campuses and the, and the curtain being pulled back on the left and exposing that they're on the wrong side of history a bit, it exposed just how incompetent Jackson was actually being ran. So for anybody who 
just thought that it was, oh, this is the state's fault. The state didn't fix the pipes. There's some arguments to be made about the pipes being 100 years old and breaking when it, when it freezes. I get it. But the incompetence of not being able to pay your water bills, not being able to run the plant properly, you can't blame incompetence on anybody but the leadership. And it has exposed how incompetent they are, to your points. And well, it's but it's been I mean, fun to watch. You know, the crazy thing is, even with the pipes, I mean, when Hennepin came in, you know, they did evaluation of the system, and he said, like, actually, your your pipes aren't that old. I mean, there are sections that are old, yeah. but he's like, compared to a lot of major cities across the country, your your infrastructure is actually not that old. There's mm-hmm. some problems with how it was installed, mm-hmm. right, initially, um, that goes back decades. But the system itself, relatively speaking, is not that old. You know, some of the stuff that he's figured out is, like, just really simple stuff. Like, there was that one leak that had literally created a 35-foot deep pond at the country club was yeah. That? yeah it was costing millions of dollars in, mm-hmm. in water where we're you know gushing like millions of gallons of water and the city literally said well we had no idea that was there yeah that's right <laughs> like, it's like, right that's well up. wait a second this guy who's not even from here came in and found it pretty quick like yeah and they got it fixed mm-hmm. well then you see the fit that the lumumba the sister lumumba has been throwing down there on behalf of the poor people's campaign and Oh, if I get some of these NGOs, they're all NGOs to me. If you if I get some of these these uh these people mixed up, whether it's NAACP, Poor People's Campaign, all that kind of under one umbrella, as far as I'm concerned, you know, they're they're down there fighting for for representation now because Ted Hennepin's white. They're like, well, we feel like the person doing this needs to be black because we're a black city. You know, that's where I go back to. That sounds racist to me, but neither here nor there. You've had quote-unquote black people in this position for quite a while now and you had this problem you got a guy here fixing it i don't care if this guy's blue or green or a black alien as master d would say master d if he seemed to have fixed the problem <laughs> I, I met him at the shoba county fair just in passing yeah uh, very nice guy met his wife lovely lady uh i mean this guy is basically commuting from i think virginia to do this I, it, it, he's he's really it was one of the best things i was worried i'd be one of the first people to tell you I thought that ch- the city of Jackson was going to get control of that money and not nothing was ever going to get fixed. And that's exactly what would have happened if they had gotten control of it. But it, the government actually did this right and put it in his hands. No more of this minority set-aside contractor nonsense. He gets to pick the contractors. The Lumumbas and, and their very merry band of free-the-land idiots will, have not, will not profit a single penny off of the problem they somewhat created. I think you saw that during in august of 21 uh 22 excuse me with the uh whole water crisis where what i heard from i knew some people that worked at the engineering firms that were doing this and the um that benny thompson and tate actually were i think quietly on the same side like it was we need to get this fixed because you know a friend of mine told me that worked with this stuff he said you know he's a republican and he said look i don't agree with benny thompson on anything but i'll tell you one thing the guy cares about his city like the guy cares about the people here and he wants to do the right thing he's like the lumumbas don't you know they don't that that's they have a different agenda than thompson did so really thompson and, and tate and they went and got this i think there was a consensus that the city has got to be prevented from getting this money. That that was that there was a way that they could not administer it, and everybody knew that whatever they would do with it. I'm not going to make any allegations, obviously, but that and you saw that I think in Henry Wingate's opinions 
where he kind of explained that, especially with the issue you're talking about, Clay, about whether like they're complaining they wanted somebody that was African American to do this, and he's saying, "Wait a second, that's what they used to say about us," you know, and which was a really good point that he made. He's like, "Let's let's." And Wingate's African American. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and he said that he's like they, they used to say that about us. White people said that about us, and now you guys are saying that's about them. He's like, "This isn't right." He's like, "Hennepin's doing the job." You know, I'm just paraphrasing, but let him do the job, which he's done. So I think that there's been. I think everybody kind of that was in power kind of knew that we didn't need to let the Lumumba administration control this. And I, I think there was a consensus. And, you know, that. and I believe as I sit here and this is just Clay's opinion, nobody else is in this room. I believe that the, the Lumumbas knew this is what was going to happen and they were not going to get any control of that. And I, mm-hmm. I believe that ha- is in part what created the, the uh, Jackson trash crisis. Well, and they were also, do you remember they were, um, well, Chokwe was, was cool with Ted Hennefit initially when they were talking about basing water bills on property values. That was something that he was, he was pushing Hennefin, and Hennefin was spitballing that. I don't know how far along that was going to go. I know the legislature, I think, was it Shanda Yates pushed that bill where they, um, well, you can't do that. You can't base it on water bills. But, um, then, then that happened, and now Hennefin is now Chokwe's enemy. But before, a year ago, he was on board with him. So yeah. I think that's interesting how that evolved as well. Well, and I think there was some, uh, sort of naive or simple thought process that Ted Hennepin is Joe Biden's guy, mm-hmm. the Biden DOJ's guy. He's going to step in and he's going to be on the city side against the state. And to Hennepin's credit, I don't know that he's on the state side. I don't know if he's on the city side. I think he's just been a really good functional manager. Yeah. Right. And I think Wingate's opinions have recognized that. Early on out of the gate, I was critical of the idea of essentially creating a separate property tax because that's what it was going to be, right? Mm-hmm. It was going to be based on the value of your home would dictate your water bill. Yep. You know, I think in talking to him, some of that was a byproduct of the fact that the billing system is just so messed up. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's backed away from that idea. Yep. Instead, what he's done is gotten about like identifying where there are leaks, fixing leaks. Now he's got control of the sewer system too, <laughs> which is candidly a very good thing from an environmental perspective for the city. Raw sewage has been getting dumped into places that shouldn't forever. be dumped. Yeah, forever. forever. I mean, it's right. Been, yeah. that, that Pearl you, River you can't, Ga- Pearl River Keeper. Uh, I guess it's a Facebook group, Instagram, like yeah, social media. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Those, those guys do a great job of keeping up with just how much sewage was being dumped into or is being dumped into our waterways. Did y'all, do y'all ever, uh, do you guys ever kayak or anything like that? I'm a, I used to really be into it, uh, and especially about six, seven years ago. I used to go down to Bellhaven Beach, if you know where that is under the interstate, yeah. and drop my kayak in there and go, and you can't do that anymore. With the amount of sewage, if you go, if you we used to ride four wheelers down. If you there. go south, you know, it's a, uh, it's just a, uh, it is disgusting. I mean, it just not, it, it, it sucks because that was a fun thing to do, and like you well, can't really do that. There's anymore. this kayak Jackson thing, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I'm like, man, all, all, all of my Jackson jokes aside, that is something I think is extremely cool if you're not doing it through raw sewage. Yeah, I mean, we used to go kayaking, we'd go camp on the little sandbars and do that kind of stuff. It's really, it's really a lot of fun. But I mean, there's all that now. There's raw sewage. I mean, you don't want to jump off into the water. Like that's not really a good idea. No, I mean, to, to your point, I'm glad you brought up Ted Hennepin. That uh, I'm always, I'm always game to to talk about the Jackson water stuff. So, well. He, but, I think I interrupted you. You were originally talking about being at the Capitol. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and to to close that, it was a really unique experience for me to kind of go from what I've done to somehow get to speak at a judiciary committee on crime in Jackson and got to kind of vent kind of how I felt about it. And I did it in my opening monologue yesterday, just explaining. And people can agree or disagree, whatever. This is people love to talk about. You can't discount my lived experience. Well, you can't discount my lived experience that as a conservative. Or really, I don't even think the politics really doesn't matter in this situation. As a law-abiding citizen, if I have to defend myself from a Second Amendment standpoint in Jackson, I believe that I will 
because of a George Soros-funded Hines County DA and Jody Owens, I believe that, I, and also being outspoken, I would end up being the next one on trial as a defendant having to explain why I chose to pick somebody else's life over mine. I didn't want to be in that situation. So therefore, I felt a bit like I'm, I have to move out of here. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't the crime that made me move. It wasn't the water that made me move. I lived in Jackson my whole life. These are just things you get slowly accustomed to, and you wake up one day. I guess it's a what's the old thing? A frog, a bowl, frog in the pot of boiling frog, water. Yeah, mm-hmm. frog in a pot of boiling water. And but it was the it was what happened with Anthony Fox that really really broke me. And the whole those, that whole crew of guys they got arrested for that because the verdict didn't come out till later after I'd already moved. I was like, man, if they would do that to their own police, and I mentioned this in the in the hearing yesterday. I said, if they will falsely prosecute one of their own policemen, top cop, hero cop, for a political statement, they will absolutely do that to Clay Edwards. And to my point, just a few months ago, that lawyer had to shoot that guy on his property that had broken his house. They arrested him for aggravated assault. And then two weeks later, that guy broke into another house and somebody else killed him. Yeah, I think though there was JPD that did those charges though it wasn't the DA's office well, I don't know that they've indicted him I guess is my point I'm not yeah. I'm sure they won't I wouldn't think they're going to indict that guy well JPD Hines County yeah uh, you know. yeah I'm just saying they did right I just yes, I don't know if it's been a uh, hopefully there's enough media coverage with the DA I, I would assume knowing the people I do at the DA's office that they're going to look at that and say I mean I don't know how legally you indict the guy yeah, I, mean, I guess it could happen the property yeah I just I don't know how that yeah that that's kind of like that can all that case can almost be like a law school example of self-defense, really. Yeah, it's then, it's then perfect. I, then, I, then I mentioned, in it to get pull it back to what it was about to be there to begin with, the public defenders knitting properly funded, I opened it with kind of a joke. I said, well, if my mama had known that, if, <laughs> if I had told my mama I was sitting here with a Supreme Court justice and John Coletti, she'd be like, boy, what have you done done? <laughs> and, then, and then she would say, well, I know you can't afford John Coletti. I hope they got a good public defender. Yeah. And kind of pulled it back to the public defender. Well, and look, Mississippi's public defender system is just fundamentally broken. I mean, this mm. is something that I've worked on a good bit in the past. Um, we are in a situation where we've got all the wrong incentives, which lead to a whole bunch of people sitting in prison or in jail way longer than they should without an indictment, without being brought to trial. Russ, let me let me get you hold that thought. Yeah. I, I want to pick it back up on the other side of the break here. This is a Clay Edwards show with Russ Latino and Sean Yarkaran. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back in to the Clay Edwards Show. Hey, guys, get down to Martin's downtown this weekend. Tonight, it's Ribeye Steak Night. And also, playing live, Tyler Flathall and the Forgotten Few. Got a really cool logo here on their flyer. It's kind of got a acoustic Guns N' Roses kind of vibe to it. Not quite sure what kind of music it is, but uh, the logo looks great. So maybe the music is, too. Don't forget, coming up next weekend on the 20th, it's Jackson's very own. Our one of our success stories, the weeks will be live at Hallamals on their dear Bo Jackson tenth anniversary tour. So check them out the weeks next weekend at Martin's downtown. Get down there today for the blue plate lunch. Sean and I ate there yesterday. Got the country fried steak again because it's so good that I'm I'm scared to try anything else on the menu. And uh Sean got the hamburger. Today's lunch special is fried chicken. Look, let me just tell you, anything fried at Martin's is good. Just just say to heck with the diet. Don't worry about the carbs. Go to Martin's, get something fried, or try the ribeye steak tonight. 
You can check them out online, martinsdowntownjxn.com. Go enjoy the patio. Go enjoy all the football games this weekend on the big screens, indoors, outdoors. It's where you want to be. Best bar in town. Best beer selection in town. Uh, best drinks in town. I'll go on record with that one. Yeah. So go Plus, check if, them out. if you go there at lunch, you get to see all the politicians. Oh, yeah. You get to overhear some interesting Hubbub, rumors. It is, look, man, we walked in yesterday and ran into the living legend himself sitting at the bar, and I knew to myself, well, if this guy's in here, no matter how many people dislike me and Jackson, they dislike him a little bit more. Kim Wade was sitting at the bar having a <laughs> – not drinking. I don't want to put – he was just eating his lunch at the bar there. So it was good to see Kim. He doesn't drink till he's on air. Yeah. That's when he waits. He waits. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, of course, you can, get, uh, you can get all of Martin's food delivered to you. All that information is there on their website, martinsdowntownjxn.com. All right. Um, we were Russ. I got Russ Latino with the Magnolia Tribune and Sean York around here in the studio with me. Guys, I, I know y'all have text, the Guns and Gear text line. Uh, just three of us in here talking. I, I just don't know if we're going to have time to get to the text today, but I do appreciate you blowing up the Guns and Gear text line. I, I, y'all got a bunch of great stuff in there that could take this They could take this show for another two or three hours. But, um, Russ, we were talking about the public defender system in Mississippi and how it's got some serious work that needs to be done. I'm going to pass it back to you. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, the U.S. Constitution, at least as the Supreme Court has interpreted it, guarantees somebody right to an effective assistance of counsel. And it's, and it's supposed to be provided by the state, not the county. And, and typically the way that works is that states have been tasked with, and the Supreme Court has tasked states with, hey, you've got to develop a system to make sure that people have access to counsel. Uh, most states do that in sort of a centrally controlled system where the state itself administers or the state partners with local jurisdictions, right, to make sure that there are, there are attorneys in place. Uh, Mississippi's got a system that's almost exclusively local. We have an office of state public defender, but they don't do what the state public defender does in every other state pretty much. Um, so it's almost exclusively local. And what happens is that a judge will appoint an attorney uh, to represent a defendant, but that happens at the point of indictment, right? And so you've got this sort of dead zone between when somebody gets arrested and when somebody gets indicted, where in Mississippi, there's no access to counsel. The end result of that is in a lot of cases, you got people sitting in prison for a year, two years, even three years, uh, some of these folks, not having representation that can help them get out, that can help them get their bail reduced, that can force a speedy trial, which is another constitutional guarantee. And so you've got folks sitting in prison who have never even been indicted for a crime for that length of time. And my whole thing is not that, hey, people who commit crime shouldn't be prosecuted. By all means, prosecute them. Mm -hmm. But do it in a way that doesn't deprive them of their liberty before they're ever convicted or indicted with something, right? Mm -hmm. And so the system's been set up in a way where that's not happening. Candidly, I think there are a whole bunch of constitutional violations floating around out there. So two years ago, I filed a, um, a rule change with the Mississippi Supreme Court that basically said that there should be continuity of counsel, that from the point of arrest uh, through trial, you should have access to an attorney. And the Supreme Court actually ended up putting that rule into place but what it's what it's forced is the system's not ready for it. Yeah. So the hearing that you were in yesterday really is sort of a reaction to the change in the rule where it's like, oh, gosh, now we've got to modernize our system so that we can actually live up to this rule. Um, and so I credit uh, Nick Bain, who's obviously on his way out, but a good guy, 
um, for holding that hearing yesterday. Yeah, congratulations to him. Actually, I wanted to say that yesterday about, you know, that that's a guy that actually stood up for what he believed in, and we just need more of that. You know, I Absolutely. really respect him for that. Well, he's got to start being a regular on the show, is he? too. So, yeah, we're going to have Nick on here a good bit moving forward. So we'll get to talk about some of that stuff. Cool, cool. Sean, what's um, your what's your thought? I mean, this is really something that's near. Yeah, it's in my heart. wheelhouse, right? I kind of yeah, I kind of saw this for so long. Well, you know, I tell you what, I think I some of my best friends in the world are public defenders. Yeah, that's kind of what happens when you work at the DA's office, and and it's not this whole like you know law and order thing where you think everybody hates each other, everybody's kind of buddies. And um, they're man, they're overworked. I mean, the ones that you know in Hines County, they have so many cases that it's tough for them to, to deal with it. Well, we yeah, were talking the, about what Russ is talking the about. The Hines County public defender was saying yesterday that she's so under-budgeted that she's losing all of her best and brightest up-and-coming public defenders to the Hines County DA office because they can make, like, 35000 more a year or something? What I was told is that the Hines County, I think their public defender's office pays around sixty, which is higher than they used to. I believe that's right. Somebody can probably correct me. I know the DA's salary moved up to around 120 assistant DA's. Yeah. So it's a significant difference there. And um, they um, – the problem is, like Russ is saying, you, what we face, and I think Hines County is probably the biggest offender of this, is about the amount of people that were stuck in pretrial detainees out in Raymond. You know, you'd have the two, three years. Well, the public defender's office doesn't have enough people to go out to sit there in Raymond and talk to these guys that have, are just arrested for armed robbery or auto burglary or they're there on a whatever. I mean, so that's a really difficult thing to do. They don't have the staff for it. There's just no way they could do that. And, um, I think the I remember when Russ did the rule change. Remember when you posted about it a couple of years ago? I thought it was a great thing because that needs to happen. If there was sometimes, you know, I remember Allison Kelly. She won't mind me bringing up her name. She was real good about this. She'd go out to the jail and people that were arrested and not indicted yet. She'd say, "Hey, let's go work up a bill of information. Let's plead them out." And we do that all the time. We would get these guys out of jail, especially on nonviolent crimes. It was a lot easier to do that. And so she would go out there and bring me all these cases. Like we got, you know, ten dudes that haven't been indicted. Like let's just. Pre-demand finding is with a bill of information. Simply, it's just a. It's basically you're waiving indictment and you're pleading guilty. You're agreeing to plead guilty to uh, you know like a an indictment without the grand jury is the best way I can put it. And uh, so we do that. If you had more people doing that, I think it would alleviate the problem because there's so many guys out there, so many cases where they're just um. They, they can be pled out. You get this worked out. But instead, because they haven't got to the indictment stage yet, they're just going to sit there. I remember one guy we had, they used to send us a jail list every um, week. And we'd try to like, do our best to get the people that had been in there their longest out. Some guys in there, though, you'd have like a murder charge, which is not easy to work out. You can't just plead a murder charge on a Friday. You've know, you got to call victims' families. you got to make sure everything works out. It's a, it's a lengthy – it's not an easy process. That's why so many of them go to trial. Um, because you – know, and um, – and I think if you were able to do that, where you could bring in those cases that are sitting there with more public defenders, you'd get you'd alleviate that jail problem a whole lot. But there were some people. That's where I was going with it. I remember one guy was in there for like six to seven years as a pretrial detainee out in Raymond one time. I remember, and I think they wrote that. an article about it eventually. But I remember seeing this, and I was like, "Oh my god! Like, how is this? Guy, you know, how is this guy sitting down here for six, seven years?" But they would just get lost in the indictment process. Now I've heard. Jody's office is actually doing a pretty good job with this in terms of getting things in and out. I was talking to somebody the other day about it, and they're actually indicting things faster than our office was, you know, knock at us. But because of the people would sit out there and it would and it was horrible. So well, I think this is just a great thing. I think they need to put as much money in the public defender system as we can, and it should be equally funded with the DAs. The, um, the pay should be the same as assistant DAs. I don't understand why. I, I mean, I told you this. We were walking out of the Capitol yesterday, Clay, and let's just be honest. The reason assistant DAs get paid more is because everybody loves law and order, right? It's easy to run on that. You can say, we're tough on crime. Let's pay the assistant DAs. Let's pay the cops. 
nobody wants to pay the the dude that's representing the murderer. It just doesn't sell as well politically, and that's a hard. It's a politically challenging well, thing. to I do. I think that's right, but I mean, imagine sitting in prison for six or seven years without having your day in court. Absolutely, yeah. and all and like Dwayne Lake's a great example of this. So Dwayne Lake was in prison for six years before his trial was ever held. He was mm. accused of double homicide. He was acquitted. Right? The yeah. jury. The jury. Found him not guilty of those crimes, mm-hmm. but in the process of sitting in prison for six years, waiting for his day in court, he lost his job, he lost his wife, he lost his kids. All those years of his life, just uh, yeah, sitting there, right? I mean, so yeah. I mean, at some level, it's not a question about whether or not we should be prosecuting people who are guilty of mm-hmm. offenses. We should, yeah. And not providing for a public defender, not giving people access to effective counsel prevents the administration of justice. Absolutely. Abs- absolutely does. And I think, you know, most prosecutors are on the ones I know are on board with this because we all, we're all we used to, I used to joke around, Clay, uh, that, you know, prosecutor, when you're in the criminal defense system, prosecutors and defenders are kind of like, I used to call us minor league baseball players. We get traded all the time. Like one day you're an assistant DA, the next day you're a public defender. It just kind of works out that way. So everybody sure. understands the system, the way the system works out. And I, I think everybody agrees that they should be paid the same. And why this hasn't been done, I think, goes to what I was saying, that it's a political thing. It doesn't sell so the way paying you know, uh, law enforcement does. So hopefully that'll change now. You know, and that's maybe a good thing about some things um, moving to the left a little bit on criminal justice reform is because the right has picked up, I think I told Russ this the other night, the right has picked up this mantle too. It's like an issue we agree on that criminal justice needs reform, that we need reforms in this system. And I see both sides kind of pushing that. I mean, even President Trump signed that. Yeah, no, that, but you know. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a huge supporter of some criminal justice reform. And, you know, I, I, I made the point. Say say you're a uh, law-abiding citizen and you have to defend yourself in a life-or-death situation and you end up on trial, not all of us can afford a John Coletti or a Merida Coxwell. No. You're gonna, I, I would have to have a good public defender. And if I firmly believe I'm innocent, I need a good public defender to defend me. That could be any of us. It ain't just I know the conservative viewpoint is shouldn't have left around, shouldn't have found out. Well, what about the innocent people? Who are being falsely accused. Yeah, I mean, and then, um, you know, we were talking about the break about the crack epidemic, remember? Yeah. A lot of these laws that we have, and you guys know this, was in 1995, we passed this thing called Truth and Sentencing. And it was a reaction, I think it was 95, a reaction or overreaction to the crack epidemic. Because mm-hmm. what, you know, our parents' generation faced in the 1980s was a, was a significant crime problem that they dealt with in the 80s in response to that thing. And I think that was just, a, you know, just like anything else in politics or whatever, there's going to be a massive overreaction. Let's do this. So they passed all these laws. Like prior to 1995, you could be you convicted of murder and you were parole eligible after 10 years in Mississippi. That was the law. After 1995, it was, you know, life or bust at that point. So, I mean, there was, and they, like I said, those were reactions to those. And they changed that a bit in 2014, which I forget. I think it's House Bill 585, something like that. I can't remember the name. And they changed that, and that was good. And I, I still think more needs to be done. But there, um, that has kind of reformed that overreaction, you know, and kind of lessened our jail population. Yeah, I mean, 585 in, in 2013 or 14, and then um, the, the parole bill that was done in 2021 were good steps to making sure that there are tools on the table that we put resources towards the people that are the biggest threats right Mm -hmm. i I think you know look on the public defender thing if you support support law enforcement you should support a good public defender system because ultimately for law enforcement it's really frustrating too to arrest somebody and they don't go to trial for five years witnesses go away evidence goes away right the the speed of time that you bring somebody to trial also affects the potential efficacy of a prosecutor. Yeah. Well, the, right? money, the money we're wasting housing them At, in the meantime, too. A hundred percent. Could that, pay for the 
bump in the pay for the public defenders. And, and if you're a fiscal conservative looking at it going, okay, somebody sat in prison for six years before they went for, to trial, yeah. or sat in jail, rather, I should say, for six years before they went to trial. We were paying to house that person for six years. They were ultimately acquitted, right? What, what is it? What's the average? Like seventy thousand dollars a head, something like that. A it's year? not quite that expensive, but it's expensive. It's expensive. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's a lot of money, and, and candidly, it's on the sheriff's budget. It's too. a lot of county money yeah, because they're they're saying. sitting in county jails. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's take a break real quick. We'll be right back on the Clay Edwards show. All right. Welcome back into the Clay Edwards show. Hey, guys, just make this one short and sweet. Get out to Acme, Pizza and Daiquiri's this weekend. Fan and Mart on the rest. 12 different specialty pies, pastas. Build your own wheel of flavor with the three different specialty pizzas on one pie. Nine different frozen daiquiris on tap and available to go. You can also get them delivered. That's Acme, Pizza and Daiquiri's. Open daily, 4 p.m. to midnight right there at Fan and Mart on the rest. Check them out online at Facebook, Acme, Pizza and Daiquiri's. Google it however you need to to get in touch with them. And make it happen. They're available on all major food delivery apps. That's Acme, Pizza, and Daiquiri's. All right. We got Russ Latino, MagnoliaTribune.com, here in the studio with Sean York, Cron, and myself. Uh, we're going to change topics here, shift gears as we get ready to land the plane for the day. But, uh, Russ, a little breaking news last night. Steve Scalise backs out of the leadership, uh, the 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 uh, he's the no longer he's no yeah thank you he's backed away from the speaker of the house vote and gonna not take himself out of the runnings what I'm trying to say yeah what are you conservatives doing over there man I mean this <laughs> is getting a little nuts bro do you need us to take control again Hakeem's ready well that that's what Hakeem, that's <laughs> certainly a key position for that right <laughs> yeah so no I mean it's a, it's a clown show right now it, 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 it really it, is it really is and it's it's embarrassing in light of the fact that we've got a significant foreign affairs conflict that deserves serious leadership. We've got a significant fiscal crisis long-term in this country that deserves to be dealt with. And then we've got a significant economic crisis unfolding right now in this country, too, with inflation and high interest rates and, and all of these things that are making harder for regular people to, to make ends meet, right? And so what you'd expect out of a party that wants to be in control in Washington, D.C., is to show some real leadership for adults to kind of rise to the occasion and man, are they fumbling the ball in incredible ways right now? Look, I mean, I have been I have been in the camp of the removal of McCarthy, but I was I was hoping there was a a plan in place for you know for secession here, and I I'll be okay with Jim Jordan. I like Jim Jordan, but there's no chance Jim Jordan's going to get elected speaker. There's no. no chance of it. I mean, look what what happened with McCarthy's ouster. I'm not a big McCarthy apologist. I think he's squishy. He's been all over the map over the years. But the setup for him getting ousted was pretty ridiculous. He actually had agreed, essentially, to some budget cuts that a lot of the conservative uh, folks like Gates said they wanted, uh, and they refused to go along with it. So then McCarthy goes and cuts a deal with the Democrats to do the CR, and then Gates goes and uses the continuing resolution against McCarthy. Eight of them team up with the entire Democrat caucus to oust the guy, and they've got no plan of action on what to do after the fact. Scalise wins in the Republican conference, right? He won 113 to 99 to be the Republican guy. Yeah. And normally what that looks like in a functioning political party is if you're part of the 99, you nurse your wounds and you go and you vote for the guy that got the majority of the votes. Immediately you had some of these grifters come out and say, well, I'm just never voting for the guy. You had Jim Jordan basically say, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to actually support the guy. And so the end result of that is Scalise looks around and says, I can't get to 217. I'm backing out. 
You think Jordan's going to be able to get the Scalise people now? Mm-hmm. There's no chance in the world. So we're at a place where it's not it's not apparently clear how Republicans are going to get 217 votes. Democrats aren't going to help them. You know, it would be one thing if this was the entire Freedom Caucus bunch doing this, but your Marjorie Taylor Greens aren't involved. Your well, I mean, the Alistair McCarthy, you know, they were they were for Lauren Boebert. And look, I, I like Matt Gates for some of the stuff he does. I, I like this. I'm a Matt Gates guy. I'm an American First guy. But this not having a plan in place. Uh, this is insinuating that uh, we'll, we'll make Donald Trump. Which, don't get me wrong. I would love that from a cr- content creator standpoint. I would love for Donald <laughs> yeah, Trump chaos. to come to <laughs> Speaker of the House. <laughs> but when we we are we are at a really really dangerous time. We're we're in a messed up part of this timeline. So we, we need some leadership. Here's what I'd say about Gates. I think he's correct in some of his criticism about how Republicans historically have not lived up to the principles that they've touted. Right. I also think he's really in it for himself. Like there, some of these guys are raising an awful lot of money off of being the guy that upsets the apple cart without a plan to put the apple cart back together. And from from a perspective of who leads this country long term. They're making it very difficult for conservatives to win elections in 2024. I'm, I'm going to tell you, you know, I've sat back the last few years and I thought that the left side looked like a bunch of children with AOC and the, the squad and that whole bunch. And I'm just sitting here looking at this objectively last night with Nancy Mace and her shenanigans and all this. We look very ill-prepared. And frankly, like I said, I feel like the adults are not in the room. Well, it t- I said this the other day on, on X or Twitter or whatever we're calling it now. I mean, I'm, I'm really tired of people in Congress auditioning for reality television. And that's what it feels like. And I think the American people are getting sick of it. And so you, you wonder, you know, from a conservative viewpoint, you wonder how it was that Republicans didn't win the Senate in 2022. You wonder how it's possible that Republicans might lose in 2024, given, you know, what's going on in foreign policy, given how bad the economy is. We're going to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory if we can't figure out how to act like reasonable human beings. And right now, there's there's no evident plan for how Republicans return to governing a chamber where they have a majority, but a very narrow majority. So any person that gets put up for speaker on the floor can stand to lose four Republican votes, right? Yeah. And find me the perp- person in the Republican caucus right now that can get put up and lose less than four votes. Because we're, we're going to have ourselves in a situation where, let's just say Trump wins the presidency again, then we lose the House and the Senate. But we've got a, we, 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 we've got a, a fruitless endeavor with Trump being president again. They're just going to impeach him, and God knows what happens next. Let's take a break, come back, land the plane for the day. I was about to say. All right, welcome back in to the Clay Edwards Show. We're here live with Russ Latino with MagnoliaTribune.com. Sean Yurkaran, my favorite white liberal in yours. Guys, we, we got a ton of text on the Guns and Gear text line. I'm not going to be able to get to them today. I, I will try to reply to them off air. So thank you all for all those. Off air, we were just talking about just the chaos in Washington. Russ, and you made a great point. I said the, the Republicans are playing this role, trying to run these these celebrities from other walks of life as politicians, politicians. And you said, well, politicians want to be celebrities. Celebrities want to be politicians. And that's really, I mean, you really hit a home run there because it does feel like everybody that's currently in DC is trying to set themselves up for whatever news role podcast, whatever their next plan is in the media. After they get out of there, people in the media 
uh, right-wing podcasters, all this type of stuff. They're trying to set themselves up to run for uh, pol- political seats. Uh, I know Graham Allen tried that recently, some others. I don't know if any of them have ever succeeded. It's like you think you're famous because you got a million views on something. Oh, I can go run for this. That'd be like me assuming because I get two, three million views on my TikTok every month. I'm going to go run for mayor of whatever local town. Everybody loves me. Maybe you should run for mayor, Jackson. I, that would yeah. Don't you already have somebody working here oh, who's planning I mean, on know, doing that? Yeah, they could run. They could debate. It'd be fun. You and <laughs> Kim. Right. You know. We're out of time. Russ, thank you again. Can't wait to the next one. Yeah, thank you, man. Sean, thank you, brother. Y'all check out Russ Latino's website, magnoliatribune.com. Tons of great political content on there. Uh, next time we get you in, I'm sure we'll talk about Brandon Presley and Tate Reeves not debating a uh, whole other topic in and of itself. Podcast will be available shortly. I will see you guys Monday right back here, same time, same place. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week as the Clay Edwards Show discusses all that is going on in and around the city of Jackson. This concludes our broadcast day. Right here on 103.9 WYAB.